0: Hey there, this is Rich and I am with my good friends, Matt and John, who I haven't seen in a minute. Well, I've seen them, just not on like a, a computer screen doing a podcast. Welcome to Above Board with Candor Path, and we finally have the full team. We are ready. We are just psyched to be here. How are you two
1: gentlemen? And I use that term very loosely. How are you doing? Good the Rich B. I'm, I'm glad to be back with you, buddy. I feel like we've um, we've taken like a hiatus from the three of us, but John... Being uh, the number three achiever that he is uh, in the Enneagram test, it is number three, right, John?
2: It is number three. We just okay. learned about this, by the way. Yeah,
1: yeah, So, so John, being the number three that he is, took took our podcast, threw it on his shoulders. I know Richie went a few solos. He had some amazing guests in our absence, but uh, it's 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 been a minute. I, I missed you guys. Well,
0: that's what happens when you don't have a boat. You tend to work a lot. So um, that was not a dig at Matt. Matine- Anyway, whatsoever, because Matt does work extremely hard. So, uh, yeah, no, it's it's great to to be back with you all, and I, I hope we can do this more often. Uh, you know, a lot of that is is my schedule. I've been in everywhere from New Mexico to Illinois to New Hampshire to Hawaii. I am going to uh, California and Kentucky this week, so you know, I am I am I am everywhere. I am in I am in more places than than Willie Nelson. I don't know. How all those hard? frequent
1: flyer miles? Are you getting some upgrades? I mean, that's a lot. I don't of don't upgrades buddy.
0: anymore. No, I missed. Um, Ooh. I was diamond on Delta for probably the last eight nine years, and I took my eye off the ball last year, and was uh, I was flying another airline a little bit because they had Ooh. some direct flights, and had I paid better attention, I would have noticed that I only needed like two or three more flights to hit diamond, and I blew it off. I, I was so busy, I just didn't pay attention. And so now I'm platinum. And while that sounds very impressive, it sucks. I haven't gotten upgraded one time this oh, year. Gosh, the horror. Well, you know, it it, it is. It's is. It's when you travel as much as I do. It's yeah. the little things. The it's little the things extra too. bag of peanuts and the more comfortable seat and the occasional upgrade where I can actually get a meal. But anyway, so I'm whining about first world problems. Pull how's the, how's
2: the people watching at the airport looking these days? Is that still um, fun?
0: People are crazy. I mean, just people are just out of their minds. And and it's it's kind of funny. I have so many stories and whenever I post any stories of things that happen, I always get some, you know, idiot that goes on social media because there's people that have nothing better to do than to attack people on social media. Oh, this sounds like a made up story. And i I always look at their 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 uh their picture or or their page it's like usually a cartoon picture with no content and like 3 followers i'm like you're a made up person so it's just kind of silly but yeah no i i there's all sorts of of shenanigans going on i had a guy was screaming at somebody on a flight recently because they put their backpack in the overhead bin instead of their suitcase which yes you are supposed to put your suitcase in the overhead bin and put your backpack underneath your seat but there's a way to ask people rather than hey idiot why is your backpack up here? Don't you know how to listen? Like, that's always a great way to start a negotiation. That's
2: how Matt communicates with me a lot. So we learned, the that, we learned that this whole Enneagram thing, which I'm curious if you know what yours is, Rich, but I he's forgot. an eight, which is a challenger. I and Matt doesn't, yeah. actually, Matt doesn't actually communicate that way. But there, he's, I, I
0: did those years ago and I don't... Like, I, there was the one where we did the color wheel and everyone's like, oh, are you blue? Are you... I don't remember because it's kind of, to me, no offense to the people that created them. I believe that they're horoscopes because I, I just think you can literally plug. If somebody goes, are you, you know, you're very, you know, are you in a, a grumpy mood today? Yeah. Are you a Gemini? Yeah. Oh my God. That's so typical of Gemini. I go, no, it's so typical of a human being. So I don't know. I don't believe that those things are super You also don't accurate. believe in work-life balance. There's no such thing. I'll, I'll
1: f- <laughs> we can, j- j- the challenge is about to come. Number eight, here I come, big guys. Here's what's important, Rich, is yes. not the number. It's, it's not- the conversation that comes from the number and right. the conversation that is that is created from having at least something that you're like, oh, I think that's me. And then you just have someone that's like, oh, that's that's him. And then you like have this amazing conversation. That's what I got out of it, less the number. I've also used the number as a crutch since I've known my number. So I'm like, I'm a complete <laughs> jerk sometimes. And I, they're like, I'm like, I'm a number eight. I have to be like, that's, that's what I am. And much you know, like, I'm, I'm much like,
0: much like a horoscope. Oh, I'm sorry that I was so moody. I'm a Gemini. So yeah, it's, I think they're great as conversation starters. I've just, sure. I've seen, I've seen so many people use them as a crutch. I remember the one, whatever, the one that we used to use where it was color and the, the boss that we had that ran the company at the time was all red which was all like, you know, to the point, get things done, all that kind of stuff. But then he also needed a lot of ego stroking and to be told he's doing a great job and he needed connection with people, which was all the other colors. But he just played the red part for when he wanted to be kind of obnoxious and go off on people. And he'd say, you know, just please understand I'm red. I'm like, no, you're just using that as a a reason to be an idiot. But no, I'm sure they're very good. I'm sure they, they have their place just like Horoscopes have their place, and reading tea leaves and um, looking at (laughs) looking at the clouds and deciding what God is telling you from up above. But I'm just kidding. Of course, they're they're great. They're great. I don't remember what mine is. I really don't. I should probably take the test again. I'm sure, John. We'll administer the test to me right after the podcast is complete.
1: It's a short 144 questions, and uh, you can have it done in as little as two and a half hours. So we will (laughs) carve out the rest of the days,
2: Or 20 minutes.
1: Some of us got it done in like 20 minutes. minutes.
0: I remember years ago, we were doing for one job that I had. They had this company that did this, and they had all these questions. And I'm not lying to you because I actually wrote it down. It's in a diary somewhere. I have to find the actual question, but it was literally a question that said, have you ever fantasized about causing harm to a coworker? And I thought, no that's one's barely. gonna ever answer that question at, oh, on it. Like really, you're gonna say yes to that question if you've ever thought about it. So I, I just kind of feel like yeah, some of them were a little silly, but um I, I answered dream no about choking
1: question. John. I mean, that's is that not
0: natural? But I mean you don't have Sorry, to be his you, you, you don't have to be his coworker to fantasize about that. I have true.
2: several follow-up questions to <laughs> understand what kind of dream that was. But anyway, well that's a different podcast for a different day. JK.
0: Okay. So today I think we're going to, because we started off, because we are all so childlike and so childish ourselves. um, The three of us are parents of different age children. I, I am the, the older of the group. I think I'm, if you add John and Matt's age together, that's my age. Uh I have a 23 year old. I have an almost 14 year old and an almost nine year old. So let's just call it 23, 14 and nine. Uh John, your kids ages are? Three and six. Three and six. Matt? seven and 10. So we've got some variety there. We, we, you know, uh, Matt and I are are a little bit closer with um, your oldest and my youngest. You all are money experts and uh, really good at what you do. A lot of people start off life messed up when it comes to money. They just do. Okay. You know, it's the typical and I'll just, I'm sorry. It's, it's so old hat, but it's the typical, you know, I was raised that, you know, very religious family and the money was the root of all evil or i was raised to believe that you, you know anybody that's rich is 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 you know takes advantage of the poor guy or i was raised to believe that i don't know anything about money i was bad at math i was raised to believe that i'm penny wise and pound foolish we all you know we all know the you know blame our parent our poor parents for everything but a lot of our habits in life start at an early age. A lot of our habits do. If you were in a household where everybody ate really bad and smoked and drank, then it's very likely, according to science, that you probably are going to not eat well and smoke and drink. If you grew up in a household where you know conversation was very important or faith was very important or you know education was very important, then that you know also became part of your life. So I think money is one of those things that really we're molded very early on with money. So a lot of, when you're managing people's money, you're sometimes dealing with uh, how they were raised, whether you realize it or not. If you have a 65 year old coming to you and they're talking to you about investments, I'm sure there's, you're hearing some of what they were brought up. Well, you know, what is that? Rich dad, poor dad, right? That's, isn't mm-hmm. that kind of the whole premise of that book? If I remember, I read yeah. it. Um and my book would have been poor dad, middle class dad, but um, you know uh, that the whole premise of that book was the examples of of, of how you're raised and
1: yeah. And, and Rich, remember, we we have a very unique perspective, John and I, because we have roughly 200 clients. Let's just say, so we get to see on a daily, weekly, monthly, annual basis 200 different ways, and and we go deep with our clients. Right? We see we see what's happening underneath the hood, not just what. They're projecting outward, but we are able to get in those meetings um, really to the root of, of what their money philosophy is. And we get to see 200 very unique perspectives. And from that, we can see what works and what doesn't. You know, what, what has worked? Wh- who are the ones that are successful? Who are the ones that are working on becoming successful? And what are the traits between those? And there's no right or wrong. And, and I think everything we're going to talk about here on, on today's podcast is there's no right or wrong. And we're going to bring up some specific examples. And if you say that's me, that's not a bad thing. Um, it, we're, we're taking it from the viewpoint of what we've seen that works best and what we've seen that that doesn't work. So there's a handful of examples here that that I'm going to at least talk about where I've tried things that that utterly failed when it came to money and our children. Uh, so I, I, I th- just want to preface by saying we're going to bring some perspective to it. And talk about what what we've seen works and and what we've seen does not work. I love that.
0: Let's start off with, um, if I could, let's start off with maybe a couple. We don't have to have a number. I mean, you know, everybody always starts with the top three or the top 10. But start off with what you all think are some of the maybe best or worst Money habits that are instilled in young people or children right away, and then feel free. we can also talk about examples of our own kids and what we've seen. but what do you think are some of the things that parents do, whether they realize it or not, that set up their kids either for success or failure when it comes to how they think about money and if you want i mean i'm I'm the least money person of the three of us i I can go first or if something jumps out at at you at you two uh you know lead with that.
2: I can go first. My kids are the youngest, so I can maybe start at these like very formative years. Uh, something that I, I've learned, uh, especially being a father to a daughter, you want to give your child everything. And uh, a mistake that I've made over time, I think a lot of parents tend to do this, maybe maybe especially dads. It's like they want that toy. They want that thing. And you just give them the instant gratification of like, yeah, sure, we can get that. And, and so uh, over time my fear has been cultivating a, a habit of wanting possessions or things as opposed to experiences with my daughter. So it's like, Oh, well, we'll go to target. But like, we only go to target if we get a toy, you know, that's kind of like, those are some of the rules that I think, you know, we've, we're working on on breaking and um, this has nothing to do so much with money, but it's, if, if it's the habits that they see us do. So if we're just buying them the things that they want all the time, uh and not giving them a sense of or having the conversation of like this you know this is something we have to work towards or or we have to earn um and it doesn't have to be monetary yet especially at young ages something i've done with both of my kids that even my son now um is this concept of delayed gratification so uh I'm trying to think of a, of a good example i've done recently like ella goes hey i i you know i'd like a uh, a piece of candy uh, you know, she gets home from school, can I have a piece of candy? Well, I don't have a reason to say specifically no, if she's eating dinner or whatever that type of, but I'll say, okay, well, you can have one piece of candy now, or you can have two pieces of candy in 20 minutes. If you and, and we set the timer and, um, I, I learned this from, uh, I don't know, some other podcast I listened to, but kind of like creating this sense of like working towards or earning something and, money's that way. You know, Mm -hmm. we'd be foolish to assume if we, we can have all the things we want now with the money that we earn to the degree in which we can, you know, spend as much as we've earned. And most Americans spend more than they earn. That's a huge problem in in America. Um, Or we can put money away and we can save. And we do that for decades. Like that's, we're like, we're saving now for when we're in our sixties and seventies, that's years uh you know years and years away so how do you start developing that habit or learning that trade i don't think it's innate in anybody everybody wants instant gratification for everything so even at a young age maybe kind of doing some some things to focus on on creating a sense of delayed gratification that's those are those that's just like a minor example for me and i, and
1: I tried that too john <clears throat> and it, and it did work and i and my first my first point and i think I'll, I'll kind of piggyback on yours was where i failed like so let's talk about what didn't work and you know the traditional piggy bank, right? Is is sort of maybe where you're going with that, John? Is being able to um, have a task list or a chore list, and then be able to take that that dollar bill or five dollar bill or ten dollar bill at the end of the week or month or whatever it is, put it in that piggy bank, watch watch that money grow, and and do it. So, uh, but but it's it's 2023, right? Um, I, I don't carry much cash in my wallet these days, right? It's it's an electronic world, so. I moved away. My my boys all have chores, uh, you know, unloading dishwasher and and helping out with with our our family pet. You know, we have a five or six things everyone everyone's got to do. And I was like, boys, uh, daddy doesn't have a five spot, so I'm gonna put it in your in your savings account. And they're like, oh, great. And what I started to realize is that while I'm looking at that balance, because of course I have the login to all of our banking information, they had no clue, and the motivation. They're not motivated by money, but still, if they're going to say, "Hey, I'll load the dishwasher after a long day at school," they they would say, "Hey, I fi- I finished my chore chart for the week. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to have my allowance." Um, I moved away and said, "Hey, I got it. I'm just going to sweep over money from our checking account to your savings." They have no way to see that, and the motivation started to move away, or they started questioning, "Hey, what? Like, so what is my balance, and what's going on here?" And they were too young to do that. I know, Rich, you have a different perspective of it as as um as your your second oldest uh, now only uses electronic forms of money, but with with the young ones, I still think and this is where I failed was I was doing it the most efficient way I thought possible and it's not. they still needed to see that tangible that piece of candy as John mentioned maybe for for Hudson or or for Ella and the boys wanted to see some cash just because that's now tangible and they can have that deferred gratification but there there was the reward they never ended up seeing. They needed to see that reward. And I I know it'll move towards the electronic and more efficient way of doing it. But I started that too early. I made a mistake. And now I'm going back and and doing my best to correct it and have to go to the bank and get fives and ones and all of these things. It's kind of like uh, at a kid's birthday
0: party at a certain age when, you know, you have that random aunt or uncle that gives your four or five or six-year-old even a gift card uh, you, you can always see they open the card. You go read the card, Ella. Um, happy birthday, Ella. Hope this is a very special. And then they have a card and they nod and they put it down. And they have no concept. It's it's it says a number on it that they may or may not understand. But then if I went to the dollar store and bought Ella a silly little toy and some candy that was worth seven dollars compared to the fifty dollar that the aunt gave, they're more excited about that because that becomes real intangible. By the way, money experts, do you know why it's called a piggy bank? I bet you don't. You don't? I can't wait to tell you this. So so originally back in the day, there was a cheap type of clay called pig, P-Y-G-G. And so people would make clay jars out of this cheap sort of inexpensive, affordable kind of clay. And if they had extra coins, they would throw it in the pig jar or the pig bank, which then started to become referred to as the piggy bank, which then of course they started to actually just create them in the shapes of pigs so that's where piggy bank came from people i did people. not know that yeah, Thank see you, that's Rich. an important thing i'm surprised that they didn't teach you that when you went to like not a, a finance CPA school, school. Yeah. yeah finance school they that would they be an important that. thing to know just saying so yeah there is there is i just you know we we have to we have to educate our listeners and if they don't learn something tangible they can well, literally we're gonna you're we're gonna go deep into stuff and, someone's going to go i listened to this podcast today do you know why they call it a piggy bank and literally it's going to go viral just because of that but yeah, anyway that, that's so, what i so do. where
1: was the crossover mm-hmm. um for luke rich mm-hmm. on um going from uh tangible I, I i did a task i got a reward to mm-hmm. now it's it's in an account how how, how what, like what was that transition like cuz did did you end up and maybe this happened with Brett too but did you transition over from dollar bills to electronic, or was it just a a factor of time?
0: Yes. No, if I I remember correctly, so he's in eighth grade right now. I'm going to say it happened in or around, he's sort of on the mature side, fifth or sixth grade. And what we did was is we got him, they, You know, we, we bank at a bank and this particular bank has a special account that's set up for kids and they have a debit card that it's connected to the adult's account. So our account's connected to it. We can move money in and out of it. Uh, for our, our listeners, they may or may not know this. So Luke is a unique situation. Luke has worked as a actor that does commercials and modeling since he was about eight or nine or 10. So he's made sometimes thousands and thousands of dollars for a, a given commercial. And, and and that helped us because let's say hypothetically, he makes you know $10,000 for doing a Disney commercial. Way back in the day before I knew how much money he was going to make, I said, hey, whatever you make, you get 20% of, and the rest goes into your college account. So <laughs> that's $10,000. And I'm like, I can't give you this money in your hand. And he was very mature. So I sat down with him. I said, Hey buddy, you understand I can't give you $2,000. And he's like, no, I totally understand. I said, how about we'll do 20% up to 200. That's reasonable. And and he said, absolutely. So he does this commercial. Uh, we would show him, we opened this account. Well, he has a college account. So we would show him what would go in the college account. And it didn't make sense to hand him $200 bills or or $20 bills or whatever. So we created this debit account where he could see the number. So he would log on, he'd see how much he has. So if we go out somewhere and he wants to buy something that is not covered by mom and dad, we're you know we're like, well, what do you want to do? So here's the cool part. First of all, it was right around that age. And to John's point, it's kind of like the candy piece. So it's like the more mature version of that. So let's say, Luke has $500 in his account, right? So he sees a pair of Air Jordans that he really wants. He's like, man, look at these Air Jordans. They're light blue. They're really rare. You know, they're on, you know, this particular website. How much are they, Luke? They're 250. Wow. That's a lot for sneakers. What do you think? He's like, I don't know. What do you think? I'm like, well, do you want to buy them? And then he'll look at me when he was younger and he'll go, oh, I have to buy them? I'm like, oh yeah, no. (laughs) So if you buy them, then you'll have 250 in your account. Nine times out of 10. He's like, no, I'm good. I don't want to do that. Ava, who's who's nine, also has an account. And when she first opened it up, she didn't understand it. Now she definitely understands it. She's even tighter and cheaper than Luke is with her money. Like she doesn't want to spend anything. I think for us, what we learned because we had the five-year age difference between the two of them out of convenience, we opened the account for Ava at the same time that we opened the account for Luke. So much like this generation is very used to phones and getting on phones. And you, you know, you have adults that are 30, 40, 50 years old who go to their nine, 10-year-old and say, How do I update this or how do I upload this? Ava is very comfortable with online and doesn't want money. So at nine, eight, nine years old, if if she d- does something well, or if, you know, Grammy gives her, you know, five dollars for getting an A report card, when she gets the five dollar bill, she literally thank you, she's very appreciative, and she will hand it to my wife. And it's the unspoken. Here's $5, you do whatever it is that you want to do with it, but put that in my account. So that's that's kind of, I think it's it's where you start them from and what their maturity level is. They also really get a kick out of having the card. When Luke teaches karate, which is where, you know, Matt's son goes, uh, sometimes him and some of the older kids will walk right through the parking lot and go to McDonald's and we'll see the thing flash up on his, we'll get an alert and say, you know, you know, X amount of dollars were just spent at McDonald's. He loves that feeling of being able to. To do that, and it's sort of a safety net
1: for them too. So I think it's where you start them and what their maturity level is. So let's talk about that. Where you start them? Where when do you start talking to your kids about money? I, the reason why this came up is because I got asked yesterday, two days ago at dinner, Dad, how much money do you make? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so uh, from 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 Bryce, who's ten, and how do I answer that? Um, now I we've talked about this before, also on the podcast, um, like a surgeon who sees blood and does not freak out, or actually I should have say, as a nurse, like a nurse who sees blood and does not freak out, um, when it comes to money, and I think I'll probably speak on behalf of John as well, I'm very open about money because I deal with it all day long, and if I saw someone's arm falling off like you would, Rich, you would go into, okay, step one is I have to suture them up and stop the bleeding and do this, I see it, and I would I would pass out and faint. And when it comes to seeing, uh, you know, millions of dollars that that John and I handle on a daily basis, that's for us we take it extremely seriously. But for us, it's it's a number on a piece of paper at times, and and for us, we don't get moved by the number. So I'm, I'm prefacing with this, but I'm very open about money. Um, but I got asked that question, and I said, "How how I, I'm an I'm an expert in this area. How do I answer this? And I want to know when did you guys? I'll I'll share my story when we're done. But how do you guys? talk to, and again, Ellen Hudson might be a little bit young, but I know you probably had these conversations with with at least Ella, John. um, And of course you have as as well, Rich, but how do you talk to your kids about money and some of these questions that just naturally come up? How much money do we have? Or what did our house cost? Or how much money do you make? How do you guys handle those questions? Last bit. And then I'll let you guys talk is I've, we've seen clients who say nothing and -hmm. we have clients and I've experienced people who tell them everything. Mm -hmm. Where's your philosophy on both of those?
2: I will let Rich answer that question because I don't think I'm I've crossed the threshold where my kids are old enough to ask that question. What's interesting for me is the the tangible aspect of money seems to be more valuable to them at the moment, especially my oldest, where she could have five $1 bills and that has a perceived value greater than one $20 bill. And she's, you know, in this year she's learning that that's not the case anymore. Um, but especially with the tooth fairy uh giving her money, something that we we talk a lot about is and I actually wrote an article about this years ago. The first published article i i ever did was called making sense for your children's future c e n t s so a good play on words there you witty dog and I love it. and it was this aspect of teaching your kids obviously you want to teach them the value of money, but really it was once you get it, then what do we do with it so we have three different buckets we have a a give it, a save it, and a spend it, um, and you know, allowing within reason, allowing. Let's say my oldest, and you know, work in progress with my youngest, I and mean, he's only three. But what, how much should be in each bucket? And and mm-hmm. the the give one's kind of fun for me because it's you know, my my daughter's kind of like a number one. She's sort of a natural born people pleaser, which which has its positive attributes for sure, and she's just a sweet kid, you know, and so. She'll get like, you know, have, let's say she's got whatever, I don't know, 50 bucks in her piggy bank. We'll have this conversation and she'll want to take some of that money and go buy a toy for a friend. You know, like Ryland's birthday just happened. She she wanted to use that money to buy his birthday gift. And and I love that, you know, conditioning and, and maybe maybe co- sort of cultivating that, like flaming that fire a little bit. I think that's really sweet. And obviously, you know, the idea of save it, we all get that. And then, and then also, I think this kind of goes back to Rich, what you were talking about with Luke. Where, you know, doing some of these gigs that he has and then having these these dollars and understanding like, <clears throat> we're going to save some of this, we're going to give some of this and you can spend like you can enjoy this, too. That's OK. That's OK mm-hmm. to enjoy it. Um, I, I don't have I don't know that I have a good answer, Matt, to your question. I'll let Rich, Rich answer it. But those are some of the things that came up for me.
0: And you are asking specifically, Matt, it, it, do you want to know specifically, like, how do you handle the how much do you make question
1: or just how you talk about yeah. money in general? Yeah, so, and I think it's. A, I think they're kind of combined together. Mine yeah, I, stemmed from, Daddy, how much money do you make? And how do I answer that so that <clears throat> I can be truthful and honest with my son, who I, I'm at the point where I can be, mm-hmm. but not tell him something that might... Yeah. be shared with someone who it should not be shared with. Yeah. So I
0: I, I kind of feel like I, I handle that question maybe, and I'm old school. I never knew. I remember when my parents were filling out my college applications when I was in 1985, and I wasn't allowed to see the page where my dad wrote down how much he made, which of course I saw the page of how much my dad made. And I looked at it and was impressed because he didn't make that much. And yet we lived a pretty comfortable middle-class life. And so I guess I was molded by a generation and I always forget what the generation before the boomers is called. I think it's the greatest generation. I'm not sure, but my parents were born in 1930. So whatever that, that generation would be, it was a very private thing. So I handle it with just the same way that if somebody asked me, you know, any other personal question, you know, so, um, I say when I've been asked that question and I have been by my kids. I say, you know, money is something that is sort of private and you don't want to brag about how much money you make. And you also don't want people to know because people can make certain assumptions about you, or it's just something that you, you keep private to yourself. And it's okay not to share that. Daddy makes enough money so that, you know, we're able to live in this house. You know, we're able to go to the school that we go to. We're able to go on vacations. So daddy does, you know, very well. I work really super hard, but you don't usually, that's not something that I really share out there in public. It's something that's kind of kept a little bit private. And so that's, that's how I handle it. There may be parents that say I make $140,000 or I make $75,000 a year, but I, I don't because a, um, if you know one thing about kids, it's if you say something in the house, they're going to say it outside of the house. So if you don't want your kid's teacher, the principal, the crossing guard, the school bus driver, and the babysitter to know how much you make, then I don't share that with with young kids. Uh, so that's just me. And and there may be people that yeah. have tremendous I, reasons I agree. to disagree with that. But I just I feel like it, it's a conversation also, and there's things that we share with other people, and there's things that we don't. So it it broadens into a different a different kind of conversation. Um, the other thing is early on with that conversation is, and it's funny, John, because I I just wrote down before you said the give, save, spend. There's something that I've been doing for my kids because they're very fortunate. They both work. Ava also does commercials and sometimes makes a lot of money. So they're they they've got a college fund. They've got a car fund. So they they see that money. I'm very, very big on how we give it away. So for example, two examples. One is we go to church. Not everybody goes to church, so that, you know you don't have to. What I do is we have an envelope. You know, We're old school, So We have the envelope and we write the check. I put the dollar amount right on and I show it to them. This is how much we give in the envelope. I do this thing and it's kind of a little trick, but I'll put $20 and fives in my wallet. That's all I have. So I'll have four or $5 bills. When we go to church, I'll open my wallet in front of my kids. I, I hand the envelope to Don and then I take all the money that I have in my wallet and I give the two fives to Luke and two fives to Ava. And what I'm showing them is charity. And Luke said, that's all the money you have. And I go, right. But right now they're giving to the farming ministry or they're giving to this couple in India who are helping sick children in India, or this is for you know, uh, you know, know, the, the people that do surgery on, on cleft lip or cleft palate. So yeah, no, I'm giving everything I have in my wallet. And what I'm trying to instill in my kids is that money is a, is a great thing, but that money is also a way to serve others. At the end of the day, when you read everything, when you talk about burnout, when you talk about people that are depressed, it keeps coming back to service of others. So it is it is a setup because I purposely put it, I, I didn't put $100 in my wallet, but it's to show them so that growing up, they're getting instilled in their mind, wow, dad, would go to church and he would give everything that was in his wallet to charity because I want them to kind of understand that. Um, So we have a lot of conversations about that money flows through you. It's meant to be moved. It's meant to go and serve people. It's meant Luke had to pay taxes last year. Okay. So, um, and so did Ava. (laughs) So when we sat down and talked about that, I explained to him what taxes do because we can all joke around and get mad at taxes. But you know, I said, The military, the police department, the fire department, and I just went through all the things that taxes fund, and I said, you you know, it, it, we don't, nobody wants to give away money, but we're not, we're, we're, sometimes this is going to good things, and you know, and then we talked about being responsible with it, but, but I love this whole idea because I'm very big on give, save, and spend. It's what, what I just expressed. You get two hundred dollars out of your three thousand dollars that you made. You know, a bunch of it's going to go in your bank account, but hey you know, this is what's going on at your school where they're buying school supplies for an underprivileged, um, elementary school. That's not that far from us. How much do you want to give Luke? Cause I'm giving a hundred. How much do you want to give? And he'll go, Oh, can I take, you know, $25? Yeah, absolutely. Ava, how much do you want to give? And she's usually like five. So, you know. <laughs> but, but I, I think that's super mm. important because I was raised, um, real quick, you know, not that way. And I think it's because my parents were so poor growing up. I remember when I gave to a charity one time in my mom's name for Christmas, it was, have you guys ever heard of that charity where you can buy like a pig or you can buy like a cow or you can, do that for or a well, a well. overseas. You can adopt yeah. a llama.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat>
0: so my mom got so mad and she said they're probably giving a bag of sand to these people and you're putting all this money. But it wasn't. It was on charity navigator. It was very well. But but for me, I was not raised to be charitable. It was like whatever you get, you hold on to. So I think those are valuable lessons that you give to your kids early on.
2: Well, that's also on them. If that charity is doing nefarious things with the money that you give, it's still on your heart to give and do the right thing for whatever that
0: situation that you felt called to do. And that's a good I think question something that's, that's, what do you guys do when you're at a red light and there's a person standing there that says, um, out of work and your kids, cause you have, you, we all have sweet kids, but speaking about your kids, the kindest, sweetest kids in the world, they're just so sweet and gentle. Um, especially Ella, who's old enough to read the sign, et cetera, and your boys who are just so kind. What do you do when, when they say, daddy, that man is, is on the side of the road and he doesn't have any food. Can we give him some money? What do you do?
2: Yeah, well, I've gotten nicer over the years. I think my children have uh, blessed me with a little more grace than I used to have. So in those situations back then I'd lock the windows and, and lock the doors. Um, and, and I do give now in those situations. Cause I, I think it's 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 a fun exercise it ends up being a really nice conversation and and you you feel good because you help somebody too so it's kind of a win all the way around um it's actually interesting you say that because now recently uh we so a lot of times I just try to do these like random acts of kindness that within our company we call them racks R A K random acts of kindness and um I you know if I'm in a drive through I'll pay for the person ahead of us or behind us or whatever well so now like it's gotten kind of to the point where my daughter's like, are you going to pay for that per-? Like it's become the expectation. I'm like, okay, like I, I'm not feeling it on my heart today to give. Okay. Just give me a break. <laughs> um, and, but so it's become that expectation, which is, which is kind of fun. And I do want to share a funny story about church. Cause you were talking about it. We went to Ava's first communion, which totally, that was totally not the first time we had been to church in 2023. <laughs> and, um, and, but so we give, we give to our local church on a, this kind of goes back to Matt's comment we give to a local church on a systematic basis. Like it's like an ACH withdrawal yeah. that we signed up for and it just happens on auto. And, and it's back to this whole point of like making it tangible for your kids. So we give that way, which I guess the implicit idea for me is like, if I give that way, I don't, I don't, and then I come to church, I don't have to give in the basket. Right. But there's like a, there's for sure an optics thing of like, Oh, you're going to be the person that doesn't give <laughs> when the basket comes around. <laughs> Um, But, you know, I I think giving can be very scalable. So whether you make $100,000, or, you know, the tooth fairy gave you $5, you know, the next morning, like, it's scalable to the situation. So when we went, we, you know, we talked about the basket that's going to come around and, and, and they both of our kids like went to the piggy bank because they wanted to give money into the basket, Aww. which I thought was so sweet. It felt so good. So same as you like having the kids do that. I think just even that act feels good to do it.
0: And that's why and I then, purposely do the the old school envelope thing because I actually Don wanted just to do the automatic thing. And I said, no, I want the kids to see us doing yeah. it. So that they the understand. Lesson right.
2: lands more valuably than giving. Like I was trying to convince Ella. I'm like, no, listen, we give, look, I'll show you the receipts. Like, here's how and she's like it's like showing don't... her bank account.
1: And she's like, yeah. I don't, these are numbers on a piece of paper. These mean nothing. So yeah. Matt, what about yeah. what about you at the I had a, Matt, Yeah, had a Rich just chatted, like, Matt, let's hear your reaction to this. So Um, I'm a Enneagram type eight. If no one knows yet, I don't think we've talked about this yet on our podcast just 20 minutes ago. Um, And by uh, a challenger means someone who is skeptical by nature. So when we pull up to the red light and there is someone with their sign and um, I don't have the visceral reaction of rolling up the windows and locking the doors, but I've been asked this before. And I tell my boys, listen, guys, there's a right way to do this. And there's a not right way to do this. And in my opinion, Standing on the street corner with a sign is not the right way. Um, Further to um, solidify that is, and you might've read this, there is a, there, there are families that are going around playing violin in shopping centers with families sitting there and with a sign. And so um, my challenger nature was like, what, like, what is this all about? My boys are like, why is there like a family there? And like with a sign and, and, and this guy's playing violin And I was like, this just does not seem right. Well, lo and behold, it's like a it's it's a known thing of these groups of families. They're not actually playing the violin, it's it's actually they're pretending like they're doing it and it's music coming through these speakers, but people are still like paying them, like giving them money. The last point I'll make is that um we all end up going to the same church, uh, because we live in the same neighborhood and we all live next to each other. And there was a family outside of that church. And the pastor, I remember one day uh while we were there said, Um, now I know this is gonna sound weird. But there's been a family that's been sitting outside the church um, with the sign requesting donations and money. Um, would you please help us and not give to them? And everyone's like, what's he talking about? Hmm. He, they have a ministry within the church that these people are more than welcome to come. And there's food and there's clothes and there's everything these people need. But they have found that they have made more money by sitting outside the church than, than by coming and using the resources that are available and doing it through the proper channels. And so, because of those things, in my skeptical nature, as I say, um, boys, there's a right way to do it, a wrong way to do it, and this is not the way that I would. I, I'll help. And there's there's some great charities. There's one that one of our clients is a part of. Michael um, is a part of uh, one called the Sharing Center. Yep, here locally in Orlando. And there's there's some really great things that we've we've participated with. Um, and, and there's there's one for women who have domestic uh, abuse and they need things because they're getting out of bad situations. So there's ones that we've kind of really hyper specific targeted. That were near and dear to our hearts, but um, uh, for for that, uh, yes, John, I, I well, I do proverbially. I, per, per, is it proverbially. Proverbial. Well, I don't know. It's I don't know. What is your anagram? You know what I mean. You say? I, do, I do. I do put up the windows and lock them because I don't feel like that's the right way to do it.
0: I've done some different things, and it depends. It's situational. But one of one time with Luke when he was a little bit younger, the person at a sign said, "Very hungry. Can you give?" And we were right near a, a restaurant. I went and bought several sandwiches some bottles of water and drove around and I felt safe you know where I was and looking at the person and I didn't really feel threatened by them and they didn't look big they were smaller than me that's what I'm trying to say and <laughs> when I I handed him the food he said um I really don't need this can you just give me money and I said but your sign says you're hungry and he said something unkind and walked away and when I rolled up the window, I shrugged my shoulders and I, I just kind of put it down. Anyway, I said, here, it's here. If you change your mind. And we got in the car, Luke, Luke had like eight years old or seven years old goes, well, that was a wake up call for me. <laughs> so it was also a lesson. But then there's been other times that we've done that, that the folks were like, thank you so much. And, you know. Everyone says, just like John said, what they do with the money is up to them, but because of the significant substance abuse that's in the homeless population, all those kinds of things, there's a part of you that do you want to fund that? Do you want to give money to someone that may or may not buy things that might harm themselves or whatever? So that's kind of what I struggle with. So when I do do it in... Real time or in public, it tends to be things that I like, food or bottles of water, or I've bought a bunch of toiletries for somebody and given it to them. And there's been many times that they've they've accepted it. You know, I think there could be a part two to this conversation. I, I I didn't realize we were talking as long. This is one of our longer podcasts, and I just think it's it's super interesting. I think we should back into this a little bit differently and kind of start with John and talk about how to talk to little kids about money and then maybe go to you Matt, and talk about you know maybe older kids and 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 then
1: i, I want to talk about college you know because i and think then, that's yeah. part two of this is you know I we've so. kind of talked about a little bit of the basics and we certainly can revisit that but then you know you know luke luke being at his age the next thing that you're probably going to start facing in the next 4 years is is college so how, yeah. how what's our philosophies and what has worked and what has not that we've yeah, seen I, I really think there's some some cool things we can I, share. About I think that. so, and also to add to that, college because of my older son, or trade school
0: because mm-hmm, you know, like sure. my oldest son who's 23, he went to HVAC, you know, air conditioning, yeah. and he's he's doing great. So sometimes I want to talk to you guys about. You know, steering families and parents is should it be a college account? Should it be a different account? Because, you know, I've got a nephew that wants to go to the to the police academy. I've got another family friend who's got a, a, a young daughter who, you know, she wants to, you know, fix cars. She wants to build cars and do body shop stuff. She's like fascinated by that. And people can make an amazing living doing those things. So I absolutely think we should have more of a conversation about money and 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 raising kids and grandkids and all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to hear more, you know, from the different perspectives. So listen, are are you guys good with wrapping this wrap putting a wrap around this piggy bank? All right, cool. Well, listen, I just want to thank everybody for all of your support. Uh, if you would be so kind, please share this podcast with people that you think can get some value from it. If you have the ability to like it or to comment, we would love that. I want to thank you on behalf of John, Matt, and myself for being a listener and, and being so supportive of this podcast. We are at way over, almost at, we're getting very close to 50,000 downloads. We're, we're almost there. Super excited about that. Thank you for joining us on Above Board with Candor Path. We look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, take good care of yourself and keep on putting some money up in that piggy bank. Y'all be good. Thank you.